Welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Hinda Zaina. And I'm Wael Haddad. And this is part two of our catch-up episode, uh, where we're going to focus on cinema and changes and observations uh, we've made over the past couple of years. So it's my favorite topic, cinema. I mean, that's, I think, <laughs> what I, where I've been spending a lot of time, maybe even more than ever before uh, over the past two years. And thank God that cinemas in Dubai only closed for 12 weeks. Once they reopened, I told myself I never, ever, ever want to take these spaces for granted ever. And whether it's a bad movie or a good movie, I'm going to the cinema. <laughs> yeah, I got jealous because when I was in, uh, in Lebanon at the time, uh, the cinemas were closed. Hell, of course, they had electricity problems, so they were closed forever. Um, and now that I moved in, in to Istanbul, the cinemas are all open and, and it's quite you know simple to go in. It's not a problem at all. But I did realize that a lot less people are in the cinema these days. I guess they just got... Um, used to watching a home or just used to not going out as much yeah I, I feel definitely uh, cinema habits have changed for a lot of people I think the two years have almost I feel like have ruined people's habits and behavior where they just want to sit home and and watch things and maybe watch things in, in, in bits and pieces or if they watch something like they do binge watching was like mm -hmm. the other opposite end, like, you know, where it feels like they're not, hundred, you know, the engagement level is different uh, because they're also on their phone. And I don't know. So, um, I mean, I think a lot of places have not had proper kind of active, you know, return to audience numbers, apart from maybe the handful of big you know, branded superhero mm. blockbuster type films or Tom Cruise, you know, Top Gun, for example. Um, but over here, it's been okay. It's been all right. I think it's been a steady rise. Uh, mm. I've not paid attention to like actual box office numbers. I just, by nature, I just like to go to a cinema when it's empty anyway. <laughs> so yeah. that, no, that's that, that, that I yeah. understand. Although, mind you, when I was here for the, for the film festival, uh, the Istanbul Film Festival, it was packed. Okay, packed that's like good to hear. like uh, like happy packed you okay, know you good. had to fight for tickets which is why i ended up missing a lot of the films and mm. we can get to th those later especially if we want to discuss feathers that's one of the ones i'm so angry i missed but before we get into film festivals uh yes the cinemas i think it's 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 both like you said it's the, the fact of the people freaking out of, of the covid situation earlier but then not only the laziness but all this kind of digital television has just suddenly exploded globally and you have so much content to pick from. And unlike you, I'm not so keen on it has to be cinema. I love cinema and don't get me wrong, I try to go there once a week, but I'm also able to absorb so much of things that I've missed and, and on a different time scale of uh, uh, on, on the online viewing. Unfortunately for me versus a lot of my friends is like you said, they do, a lot of people will like binge watching shows, but I like, watching these kind of two, two and a half hour worlds of, of film, you're there, then you move on. I can watch three, four films in a row more than I can watch television series in a row. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a start and an end. Like, you, yes. you know, see. <laughs> yeah, because like, even if you watch a series and you commit to it and then it stops because you we don't know when season two is going to come or it mm -hmm. might not be renewed and all that nonsense. Whereas, yeah, with a movie, you know, the beginning and you know there's an end <laughs> and also when it's a film you don't kind of cut it off cut it up as much and especially when you're in cinema you're there and you're you're held your captive audience yeah exactly um, and and things like that and, and we have discussed this multiple times is while i enjoy watching films at home some films just cannot not be in the cinema like uh, recently when june came out 
and a lot of people were complaining that it's slow and, and you know but some some other people were like oh my god you have the time to experience and absorb the color and the sound and and this film i mean it's it's not the first time it's been redone uh it's been it's been made and it's a very kind of known story for a lot of people so re-watching it again in, in a whole different view and really concentrating on that 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 feel more than the storyline really i think makes this a difference between a film you can you have to see in the cinema and a film you can watch at home yeah i mean i think this idea that you know the cinemas for blockbusters and i say this mm. quote unquote and you know action and uh, yeah and I'm like, no, cinema is there for quiet films as well and slow film because there's this beauty of, yeah, sitting in the dark mm. space without, you know, kind of getting distracted by a phone call or, you know, food delivery or whatever, right? And and I mean, and even though, look, I'm not saying the audiences in uh, Dubai cinemas or UAE are like saints or, you know, pure diehard cinephiles because a lot of them are on their phones and eating, which is mm. why I like to go to a mostly empty screening. But what is interesting, I noticed uh, it's been a month or so, there's this been warning... Uh, uh, that comes on Vox cinemas, like talking about piracy and you're not allowed to record and we've got staff on, you know, looking out for who's recording and you'll be punished. And I thought that was <laughs> interesting. And I was, I've been tempted to try it myself just to see if someone will come and stop me, like their staff or not. But uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, mind you, like also I have been to a few screenings with a more or less busy, um, you know, uh, busy hall. And it's been, and it, yeah, like it's been fun as well because some films are a lot more fun to see with uh, in a busy cinema, especially like horrors or comedies, yeah. you know, where like, you know, you're all kind of caught up uh, in a mood. But uh, so, you know, I've done that a few, very few times. Um, but maybe, yeah, I mean, the busiest maybe is film festivals because you talked about film festivals, right? Yeah. And and we've got obviously the lack of film festivals because all the film festivals we that used to cover like the Dubai Film Festival would <laughs> be all of them obviously stopped many years ago. But they have the kind of these little attempts of smaller film festivals, and one of them is one I program for Manorat Sadiyat. Mm -hmm. And whenever the films are on, I sit and yeah, when the room is full and oh fine, the numbers are not like we're not in a big size hall like in a multiplex. But there have been a couple of nights, especially with like films about music or artists. Um, where the attention is, is 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 there like there's a nice energy in the room, you know, and and there was something I thought, oh yeah, I haven't in those past uh, two years, uh, I missed that also, like having this nice energy that yeah, mm. we're all kind of watching and we're all on the same wavelength uh, to uh, to an extent. The the one thing that did bother me uh, in the normal days of cinema versus film festival, at least here in, in Turkey, but then again, I also saw that happening in, in the UAE, is that in the normal cinemas, you're now only getting one language translated. You don't have English. So when I was watching everything everywhere all at once, which I really enjoyed, but half of it was in um, Mandarin, and I'm assuming it's Mandarin rather than Cantonese, but yeah, half of it was in Mandarin. And it, it just was trans translated on the bottom in, 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 in Turkish. So I didn't know what was going on. And I remember you tweeted about something to do that was also in, in Dubai when they had Arabic only for bullet for train. bullet train. Because, yeah, there was some dialogue. Uh, this, I mean, it's not half the film, but there was a lot of dialogue in Japanese, which is important. It wasn't like, oh, kind of off bar, you know, like mm. it doesn't matter. Like the, uh, And I was surprised that it wasn't. It didn't include English subtitles. It was in mm -hmm. Arabic only. Uh, and of course, you know, I kind of raised it with the distributor and the filmmaker online, but, you know, they don't respond because, you know, who wants to uh, do customer service when there's actual questions, <laughs> you know, raise, you know, where you want to yeah. raise an issue to improve things. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I can only speculate that the assumption is because now what it's in an Arab market and it's Arab speaking audience only. Like it's I don't know, or if it's the same set of subtitles because cinemas I know across the region, like so they're only catering, they're only sending one set of you know, one version of the film with subtitles to cater the Arab market. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I mean, like I said, it's uh, I know it used to happen before in in in, in Europe as well. The same thing with, with Istanbul, where you'd go and the films and the foreign films in in France are mostly in French only, except for one cinema, and everything else is dubbed. So I'm glad not everything is dubbed, but it's just bizarre, especially when in the past in the UAE you had English, Arabic, and French. So really, they 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 were able to be accustomed to most of the population of the world and inviting them into the cinemas. Now it's gotten it even. It's, yeah, I mean, like so far, like Indian films still have Arabic and English, so that's been good. So that's one way of going. And lately they've shown Korean language films mm -hmm. in original language with subtitles in English and Arabic. But then sometimes they'll show a French film, but dubbed in English. Without, and I don't know why, why like the European language films aren't shown in their original language. <laughs> like it's it's a it's very inconsistent. It's very hard to understand why or how these decisions are made. Mm. Because, like I said, we get Indian films in original language. Korean films come sometimes Japanese as well. Arabic, although I'm not sure if they subtitle all the Arabic films. I I don't think they're consistent with subtitling. Yeah, because I mean, that was from before. English, that was like from from many years ago. Which, somewhere which English, again, like you said, like you said, in a place especially like the UAE or where it's so multinational why why kind of segment you know these films the assumption is you know only people from this part country will watch it and no one else will uh, yeah that's a shame i mean you see it with marketing as well and even mm. kind of the the locations of where these certain films are shown because they're just kind of like oh if it's this kind of nationality in this part of the city that's where these films are shown god they're judging us on who's it's watching very, yeah and i'm like wait a minute you know you know one wants to see all but again maybe yeah not not many people are like that so mm. whatever I don't know. I mean, definitely, it's it's one point. If you want people to go back to the cinema, is for them to be able to uh, understand, especially in kind of uh, larger hub cities where you do have multinational population there who don't necessarily all fluently read the language, even if they can speak it. I mean, it's interesting to yeah think about bringing like fine, you know, rethink again back to the idea we talked about in part one about rethinking things to you know just energize the. The industry, whether it's mm. like I said, cinema or arts or marketing or whatever, um, and I've been thinking about how also including having uh, screenings that accommodate, um, you know, the hard of hearing. So there could be like kind of uh, subtitling on the screen that's for um, I forgot the actual the proper terminology, but it's for the hard of hearing. You know, so mm. it it kind of describes what sounds are on and and. You know, so that could tap into bringing more people who feel they don't have a space for them to go to the cinema. Like the know, closed and, caption they have on television. Closed captions, shows. thank you. Yes, that, exactly. You know, I feel closed caption screening, you know, like dedicate once a week for that latest release to have closed caption screening. Um, uh, I know some uh, one or two cinemas do things like uh, mommy and children screening. So mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, so parents who don't have time. and But again, they don't do it like for all the films. So again, it's kind of this assumption of what kind of film will be suit you know the mommies will be interested yeah. in um so i feel that's one way of uh, trying to think of new ways of doing it and lately i was surprised 
that real cinema. So a multiplex kind of mm -hmm. had a, a, a month of like showing classic films. And I really wish it could continue being something all year. I think it was part of Dubai Summer Surprise. Okay. And they showed films like Back to the Future, Alien, Superman, Hook, all these films I've not seen in an actual cinema, yeah. especially like Back to the Future and Alien. And it was like, and Superman. I mean, that was really great to see. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and there were just a small handful of people who also were there to watch the screening and they were showing like in the afternoon and, and evening. So there were like multiple screenings, but, uh, and they even had a, a section called classic movies on the website. And I thought, okay, I hope this means it's a permanent thing, but but they haven't. I mean, lately they've been re-releasing the likes of Harry Potter. Um, and I'm like, okay, wait, why don't we release other films that are 20 years old and not just the, again, part of the big franchise type films. So I know there are these little attempts, but I always feel like, oh, they just could sit with someone who's got a good curatorial, you know, way of approaching things. They could do th things differently instead of just kind of waiting to see what the studios are delivering. There's no shortage of films, well, you know, this whole, I know there's this discussion of, around the world about cinemas are in crisis and the, the shortened span between cinema release and screening yeah. so they're losing out on an audience but there's so many other films um to look at and again i just feel this lack of uh, trying to really really be experimental and try things and it might not succeed from the beginning but because yeah. everyone wants to profit from the start right so that's no, the other look issue. i understand what you're saying and, and and of course the them losing money which is why i guess translation could definitely be an issue but but sometimes something as simple as, uh, you know, putting a little bit more money to get the translation or in the bigger end, I know they make their their big monies from selling drinks and popcorn, all that stuff. But at, with the, whatever's happening in the world, reducing that a little bit, you know, wouldn't wouldn't hurt because now going to the cinema, the price of the ticket is far less than the price of the combo popcorn cola, <laughs> you know, and if you're stuck there for these films that are getting longer and longer and longer for three hours and just sitting there thinking about toilet time versus drinking versus eating and having to pay a fortune every time you go is also not fair in a sense. So I don't know, it's not our business of it, but there's, there should be other ways for it globally for them to yeah, figure this out. No, absolutely. It is, it's, it is cost prohibitive. And I mean, mind you again, like, the cheapest tickets here around 30 dirhams and there's still very good cinemas. I think that, you know, which I don't think many places can say that. So you mm. can still have a good cinema experience and not pay a lot of money. But again, I think, yeah, if cinemas are also counting on selling food and drinks and yeah, that isn't cheap. I mean, I've looked at it, but what is strange while maybe there is, they are catering to the ones who are willing to pay. So that's why you have things like the kind of very uber expensive, uh, you know, like the platinum seats or the recline, you know, kind of the, like the dine-in experience. And it's like high end um, uh, level of um, like the food is, you know, high yeah. end and it's delivered. And there seems to be an audience for that. And I think, and maybe that's maybe their money making versus maybe an average goer like me. Like I'm not, they're not profiting out of someone like me, even though I'm in the cinema, I don't know, like two, three times a week, mm. you know, not even like not two, three times a month. Yeah. Uh, so I find it interesting uh, because those screenings do tend to fill up in a way. There seems to be more of those kind of spaces opening, right? So, so when cinemas are opening, they're kind of, yeah. More I mean, look, that's in that kind of space. That's an experience, and I and I'd give it if it's that's working great. Then either make cinemas that are that, 
you know, with other sinners that are there, but just there should be a, a point for the everyday human, especially if you want, like, in summer, teens and like, young adults just go and, and waste time doing that, which things that they can do. Or do things like student discount and be, you know, and for, you know, because some have done it, but only midweek and not on weekends, mm. but then like students are free mostly on weekends, you know, so, or, <laughs> or senior, like I also think again, new audience to think of new audience, you yeah. know, kind of senior age, why not kind of think of discounts uh, uh, to bring in an older audience as well. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. And this is why I'm always really happy to to see this kind of range of, of humans show up for film festivals and a lot more than um, you ever expected, especially when the whole Dubai Film Festival started. And like I said, in the, the one in the Istanbul Film Festival was so packed that I missed out on tickets just, you know, and not even the the big name ones, kind of the, the everyday ones, because it was it was full. And the one I that hurts me the most for missing is Feathers, which is the Egyptian film that you had seen. I'm so jealous. And and, and he's um, the director, uh, uh, Omar Zuhairi. I think I'm pronouncing it right. We had seen one of his films back in 2014, and, and it was one of the shorts. And I remember meeting him, and he was awesome. So, so please tell me, tell us, tell the world. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I, I always like to say the title of the film we saw because it's like this really long title. Oh, the short one? Short yes, film. yes. Yeah, it's like, I think it was the longest titled short film we've seen or know of. Uh, the aftermath of the inauguration of the public toilet at kilometer 375. <laughs> yeah, and it was satire at its kind of best with surreal. It's just kind of mad. And and what what I read about Feathers is that the father becomes a chicken. So I'm assuming he's he's still in that world. But what I remember from him from back in the day is that he was he was a sharp uh, he was a kid so he's a sharp kid kind of focused on what he wanted and I, when I was even working in, in media back then so I had a lot of budgets and we we're recording stuff and I tried to get him to to film a few things for us where he kind of boldly said that he he while he does some commercial work he doesn't want to do too much to can focus on his work and I thought that was very interesting and I'm so glad that paid off for him to get a feature film. Yes. Uh... Yeah, Feathers. I mean, I was happy I was able to see it because I managed to uh, include it in the film program I curated for Manar Saadiyat Cinemas Festival, so which focuses on independent uh, films. And I was happy that it was uh, the opening film. And we were happy that we had him come to the festival in person. Mm. And it was great. And and. And to see kind of his uh, career growth and development from the first film of his we saw in 2014, or maybe it wasn't the first, but, you know, his short films, because mm. that's all, he, you know, this was his first feature. Uh, and it's been critically acclaimed. And uh, and he's just, yeah, he's one of those few directors, I think, who is grounded, who knows what he wants and doesn't want his vision to be you know, polluted by yeah. other distractions, right? So which is why he said, like, I think he's very selective on what kind of work he does, even, you know, when he has to do commercial work uh, and then his films as a filmmaker, you know, yeah. And I think he takes his time in making these films. And yeah, it's it's it has the same actor from the short film we saw in 2015. Um, and there is absurdity. There is kind of the cruelty of life and hardship of life and, mm -hmm. and, and families. And it's very tableau-esque, like the scene, the framings and the colors. And, uh, and it's an interesting journey of a woman, but it's also about, uh, yeah, you know, family and, and hardship. 
and how how to get out of it and and you know it's it's a it's it's a serious film which i think when you see the trailer you think oh it's a kind of quirky cute film <laughs> but you know when you spend time with it it's 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 not it's not i mean there are bits of it that are that but it's mm. a lot more uh and yeah and can't wait to see what he does next what's funny about these real uh arabic films i remember whenever i saw some like syrian or lebanese or egyptian even at one point in abu dhabi the the press was always upset that how dare you know ruin our tourism by showing such bad depiction and i'm sitting there i'm like Man, what's wrong with you so how did this one go I mean, I think this one, well, I think it did have that a bit of that kind of reaction, I think, when it screened in um, Alguna Film Festival. But this is this is a film which doesn't tell you where it is. It doesn't tell you mm. wh- when it is. It, so it could be anything. And just because the characters, you know, uh, look Egyptian, speak Egyptian, yeah. you know, fine. And, you know, the filmmaker's Egyptian. But it, it could be, anyway, you know, he's not, he's, it's not about, it's not identity politics. Mm. You know, it's not that kind of film. Um, I don't think he's interested in making films like that. And I mean, it was interesting. I was in France before I got to show it here and it had a wide release in France. Like, you know, the posters were around and it was just like another new release in Paris, which fine. I mean, I guess it's too extreme and an amazing odd example to compare to any other city. But it, you know, so it it was nice. I was happy to see it getting a regular release in a city like Paris. And I'm sure people showed up for it. Uh, it didn't get a wide, it didn't get released here. So it mm. didn't. Although we are actually seeing more and more Egyptian cinema getting released here, but it's uh, again these loud movies with known actors, and it's kind of like the yeah, equivalent no. of the action American films or whatever, or the comedies, uh, which mm. usually they're non com, you know, they're unfunny. But, but, uh, but, but a film yeah, like this didn't get a release. And that's the irony. It's it's these smaller films that get go into the global world of, of film festivals. But then it's these are the ones that the, the larger population kind of critique about ruining the ruining the, the PR tourism deal. But then these are also the only films that they don't get financial support really from the government to do anything versus the, the bigger blockbusters that nobody watches except for that small tiny audience. But then continuing off what you were saying, it's ironic that in our episode about the the art we were kind of we hinted a little bit about identity politics and people kind of having issues and figuring out the past and the future where he is somebody right now who doesn't want to do that and is an artist that has is no longer new but is developed so he's one of those few people where we're seeing that middle path and them growing versus always new 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 and which of course the film world is a lot more expensive to create and develop than than other art forms but it's it's interesting that some of it is still uh, getting out there, and and what we see is pretty decent. And hopefully, I can figure out a way to to view it. I mean, and and I want to maybe also bring attention to kind of the filmmaking happening out of the UAE, which mm-hmm. you know has has been really in a state of crisis for a long time. Like maybe more so since the festivals got were here ended, because a lot of these some the festivals we're doing were also offering grants for filmmakers here, and they they're at a state of they almost feel abandoned and orphaned, like there's no kind of institutionalized way of getting film funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they see, you know, films 
supported uh, by the film commissions, you know, for external films from abroad that come here and they get tax breaks and they're accommodated to make their films here versus filmmakers here. You know, they need to first get their script approved before even, you know, shooting and it's expensive for them to get film permits and et cetera, et cetera. But I've been seeing lately a trend of short films um, uh, that are saying actually very interesting. They touch upon serious topics and interesting topics and made well. And and maybe there's maybe we should uh, appreciate that kind of filmmaking coming out of this country. Maybe yeah, we're not gonna get amazing feature films that will travel the world and go to festivals, but maybe the short films will. And and I know short films, an audience for short films is probably like a whole other discussion to be had separately. Uh, but yeah, I've seen a few, and some of them are supported by Imagination because they have a program called Arab Film Studio where they mentor mm -hmm. filmmakers. So they're not necessarily funding them, but they're mentoring them, and uh, and they do fiction and nonfiction. And I've seen some great stuff, and I've seen a few independent filmmakers who've made their own films, uh, you know, working with friends. So again. Uh, you know, they all kind of work and help each other on each other's films and interesting topics and serious topics, right? So it's not um, something that feels inaccessible to a non-Arab or non-Emirati, in my opinion. If you put these films with English subtitles, people will relate to it. So it's about, yeah, kind of alienation and family and even like kind of, you know, abuse in families mm. or or limitations on uh, women's, uh, you know, in public spaces and uh, uh, and the loss of, uh, you know, uh, gentrification. So losing yeah. your kind of family home to new developments, etc. Okay, uh, look, look for me. I mean, I'm glad it's short, but I still feel cheated because they had with Double Film Festival and Dubai Film Festival, there was a chance when there were films to coming out. But now a lot of these art house films, whether they're fine, yes, most of them are European, but a lot of them are Arabic. Uh, you always see the either the, the, the Jordanian uh, Film Council support or Qatar uh, Film Fund, and they're still at it and still developing. Hopefully uh, uh, 254 or Imagination kind of develop something like that. That's a bit more that world versus just supporting the big, big, big films only. True. I mean, I think within the Gulf region, Doha Film Institute to me is a good example because mm. they they do they fund locally and internationally. And I have to say, for the longest time, I mean, they also fund really good films. Like yeah. whenever I see the Doha Film Institute, like you know, you're gonna watch a good film. So there seems to be someone there with good brains and good taste in terms of what they're supporting. Because yeah, we've seen faulty films that get supported, you know, during Diff and Abu Dhabi Film Festival days. And you're like, oh, I wonder what else they rejected, you know, for a film like this to get funded, mm. you know. But there seems to be now, I think, uh, a, a recent generation of filmmakers, you know, a few of them who have studied abroad. And yeah, they know there are challenges. But I think they say, yeah, if we stick together, we'll try to do, you know, find a way of getting our films being shown. And and I think that's an interesting another way for back to the idea of what how cinemas yeah. to think things differently, right? Why not dedicate once a month to show these films? You know, why uh like show your support, mm. right? Um so yeah. Just there's one, putting it there's, out there for whoever wants to hear it. <laughs> true. There, although one positive thing about your evil enemy, which is television, is that now with, with Disney and Amazon and Netflix and, and all of those uh, platforms supporting their different kind of local talent, there's now people going there writing with budget coming in. Of course, I mean, again, from the foreigners coming in to fund our own art, but at least it's moving a lot more people to kind of gather the resources mm -hmm. and put emphasis into this other art form, which is um, the cinema and film and storytelling.
So there's, you know, there's this and that. Hello, we don't want to take too much time. I don't know if you want to talk about some of the TV world that, that you've encountered. For me, I just want to say one little thing. This, the happiest surprise of that came out of COVID for me is Cooking with Paris. And, and this is Cooking with <laughs> Paris Hilton, where she is so advanced and so kind of in the world where the whole show itself is a satire about reality television and her whole life and kind of being this persona with when, when, you, when you see that the whole world became, got there two minutes of fame on TikTok and Instagram and all of that reels and, and everything else. So I thought it was a nice juxtaposition to everything that's happening. You know what? Good on her. And and I feel bad that I wasn't a fan of hers when she mm. was big in the big, you know, back in the day. But yeah, you know what? Good for her. <laughs> she played it right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like I think a lot of the celebrities from the time there seems to be a kind of a change of heart for, for them. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, one shout out I'll give out for television was is uh, Olivia Olivia SIS's uh, series Irma Vep. It's eight episodes. I think it's eight. I'm sorry, I'm bad at remembering numbers, but yeah, it's like a short run, and that's totally worth watching. And uh, it is uh, almost like a follow up or a continuation or another version of a film he made in the '90s. With the same name, Irma Vep. So I would say look out for that. Okay, I haven't seen that one, but I'll definitely try to try to catch oh, you it. You should, and then we can talk about it. <laughs> so as always, uh, like, rate, tell people about us. Uh, please come back and listen to us. Uh, it's just a two-person job. We're the ones recording, <laughs> editing, <laughs> publishing. So uh, yeah, leave a comment. Uh, tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear about. You know, we can maybe make an episode based on request who knows but yeah as, as long as it's as long as it's kind of art or cultural because we do get sometimes emails <laughs> of course from people have no idea what it's about and it's just a business system that's true so thanks again for listening to tea with culture and uh till next time goodbye <laughs>